Hello there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 555, 555 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. It is Wednesday, November 8, 2023, and in case you missed it, Duke has a big game coming up on Friday night. Duke men's basketball welcomes the Arizona Wildcats to Cameron Endor Stadium, 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2, and we have a special guest here that's going to help us break down this game, someone who knows Arizona basketball way more than Jason and I do. Before you before we bring him in, I'm Donald Wine. I'm your host. As I mentioned, Jason Evans is with us. Jason, hello. I'm doing great. By the way, Donald, can I have privilege of asking the first question to our guests? You sure can. Well, let's introduce the guest before you start just grilling him with questions. Here we have Brian Peterson. Brian Peterson is with Arizona Desert Swarm, which is the SB Nation blog that covers Arizona Wildcats sports, and he's here to help us break down the Wildcats ahead of the big game on Friday night. So, Brian, first off, thank you for coming in and uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Go ahead, Jason. I was going to say, Brian, the, the first thing I want to know has nothing to do with the game coming up. I want to oh, specifically... Perfect. I'm sorry? <laughs> perfect start. Yeah, there you go. I, I want to start just with the notion that Duke and Arizona are playing a home-and-home home series uh, because we were super excited about this when it was first announced Duke, uh, you know, just for a variety of reasons, I think it. we just don't get many home-and-homes. We play a lot of teams in, like, special one-off kind of things at, at you know, like at the United Center, uh, up in New York, at Madison Square Garden and elsewhere. We play all these, like, high-profile teams in different places, but rarely do we do the home-and-home home kind of situation. Tell me, you know, from an Arizona perspective, coming to Cameron, I mean, my goodness, is this a is this a big deal for you like it is for us? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just in general, it's great for college basketball to see these teams play on each other's courts because there's so much about home field, home court advantage in college basketball. But for Arizona specifically, um, they they have so much trouble getting big name teams to come to Tucson, to McHale Center, uh, that, you know, to be able to get one to come in exchange for going somewhere else is incredible. And Tommy Lloyd has already shown that th that's something he wants to do. The first games he added after he took the job was getting a home and home at Tennessee, starting at Tennessee and finishing up one that was against Illinois. And in addition to Duke, there's one that starts this week, this season with Wisconsin at home. And I'm sure he's going to keep doing more of those. He's got all those high profile uh, neutral site games, Michigan State in Palm Springs, Indianapolis is where they'll play Purdue, playing Alabama in Phoenix, and even playing Florida Atlantic in Vegas. But if he gets the opportunity to play on someone else's court, if they're willing to come back, he's going to do it. And before we get to the game that is ahead of us on Friday night, I, I honestly want to look ahead very quickly to next year because Duke will be, as we mentioned, as a home and home, Duke will be going to Tucson next year. I, I Again, we were excited about the fact that we are, you know, hitting the road for a true road game. But what's the buzz been like about Duke coming to Tucson next year? I know it's, it feels like an eternity away, but if people started talking about that game as well. Oh, certainly, certainly. Um, since Arizona fancies itself as a national program, they look at schools outside of its conference to create, from the fans at least, a rivalry. And Duke has been one that I think the fans have always looked at as a rivalry, uh, dating back to games from NCAA tournament. In fact, uh, 2011, when uh, Sean Miller went on that surprise run, getting to the Elite Eight and beating Duke as the number one seed in the Sweet 16, 
that conjured up a lot of memories of when they would play back in the 80s and 90s when Lute Olson was there. So always glad to have an opportunity to do that. And since Arizona considers itself to be one of the top programs, it wants to go up against those other ones. And you know, all the all the talk about West Coast bias uh, or a negative bias against the West Coast and favored toward the East Coast when Arizona gets a chance to play teams from the other side of the country, it's it's great to be able to show that there is good college basketball beyond the East Coast. Yeah, I think we we can all agree that this matchup is going to be uh, bananas, not just you know this year, but also next year. I, I want to get into the game. We, we're, we've talked about the non-game enough, but let's talk about the game on Friday night. And I want to start with the familiar. And the familiar for Duke fans, at least, is... You guys got Caleb Love in the offseason. Of course, he transferred to Arizona from UNC. How has he, and I know you guys have had uh, a Donald, couple of... He, yep. Donald, he kind of transferred to Michigan and then to... Then, I, then I'm to a Arizona. Michigan fan. We don't, we don't talk about that. The, the, direct, the direct line of sight is UNC to Arizona. There's no Michigan involved in this, Jason. Don't, 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 don't bring Michigan to the box. But let's talk about Caleb Love. Obviously, he is one of, I think, three transfers that you guys had in the offseason, how has he kind of integrated into this lineup? Because again, you guys are looking uh, great, especially considering your first your first game, you scored 122 points, which is not something you see very often in a college basketball game. No, it was, I think, tied for fifth most in school history, and the margin of victory was one point off the school record. Uh, and frankly, they probably could have dropped 130 if, if they didn't put the walk-ons in with four minutes left. But uh, Caleb Love, I didn't think that they were going to get him. Um, I didn't actually think that they would want him because of the reputation he had with a volume shooter and and what in the the tough season he had at North Carolina last year, but when they got him, I, I I had to think that that Tommy Lloyd and and the coaches realized that they could find a way to fit him in without him having to be the same player he was at Duke. And short small sample size, whether it be their international tour to the Middle East in August or the exhibitions or the first opener. He's not jacking up shots all over the place. In fact, I was surprised at how much he goes to the rim and tries to draw fouls and just get layups, which is something Arizona did not have last year. That was the biggest flaw on the team was the lack of aggressiveness on uh, from the guards. And he brings so much of that. And if that's what he does and still takes some threes, but is, is preferring to, to get to the rim, He's going to be an incredible fit. When you think about the rest of the guards that you have, it, it, again, if someone who is listening to the show has not seen Arizona, I mean, we've only had one season or one game of sample size, but if they had not seen Arizona play, what can we expect from Arizona's guard situation? And, and again, talk about maybe the starters or even guys that kind of fill in uh, off the bench. Yeah, it's it's essentially a three guard lineup with uh, the third one being um, more of a wing. Uh, the the point guard is Kylan Boswell, who's a sophomore. He was a kid who reclassified and came in as a 17 year old and came off the bench last season and showed a lot of promise. And then he had a career high 18 in the first game of this season. Um, he's he's got tremendous upside and. Uh, just shows a great balance of being looking for the shot, but also finding the open man. Jaden Bradley, who started the exhibitions but came off the bench in the opener, he's an Alabama transfer who was, I believe, a McDonald's All-American that they missed out on coming out of high school. But after one year uh, with the Crimson Tide, decided to, I guess, go with his second choice. 
Um, he's he's kind of I, I don't know what role he has yet because he uh, he hasn't really done a lot offensively from what I've watched, but he seems like he's somebody that's very involved on the the defensive end. Uh, and then there's a freshman named KJ Lewis who uh, is fairly underrated, um, an El Paso guard who could be pretty pretty good given the opportunity. Uh, Pella Larson is a wing. This is his third season with the team, uh, transfer from Utah, who uh, is was probably their most aggressive of the the players who would handle the ball. Um, he he's he's also great at drawing charges and a good rebounder for the uh, for being a guard. And those are the main guys that are going to be handling the ball and working in the backcourt. Let Let's get to the big men really quick, because Arizona is big. And it all starts with Umar Ballo. Am I am I pronouncing that right? By the way, Ballo, but close enough. Yeah, Umar okay. Ballo, uh, seven footer, two hundred and sixty pounds. He's a senior, so he is a grown man. Uh, he, last year, averaged you know better than fourteen points per game, almost nine rebounds per game. He's a nice shot blocker. He's a dude who's never shot less than sixty two percent in his career, so he's mostly taking shots at the rim. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what's going on with Arizona up front, because to be honest, from a Duke perspective, feels like we are more guard heavy than we are big man heavy, at least at the moment. And uh, Ballo could be a real problem. Yeah, Umar, this is actually his his fifth year of college and his fifth year working with Tommy Lloyd because he was a Gonzaga recruit who redshirted his first year and then played very little the second. And then when Tommy Lloyd came from Gonzaga to take the Arizona job, Umar entered the portal and that was one of his first pickups. And he was a um, kind of the sixth man who started a little bit that first year and then has started every game last year. And he, I mean, he's not going to be taking shots very far from the rim. He's he's a very traditional back to the basket, offensive rebound, rim protecting kind of big man, but he does it all very well. Um, he's getting better with his free throw shooting, um, and his conditioning has gotten so good to where, I mean, when he was at Gonzaga, he they couldn't play him for more than maybe two or three minutes at a time. He'd just get winded. Now he can be out there in long stretches. He actually. He had a play in against Morgan State on Monday where he he got a steal and he was able to gather and and, draw, and run the court and dunk it, which he really couldn't have done that two years ago, maybe not even last year. So he's shown a lot more athleticism. And that's the thing. Tommy loves athletic big men. Last year, they had both him and Azulis Tubelis uh, to form probably the most athletic overall front court in the country in terms of how well they could run the court. And, and Azulis was tremendous with being able to get the ball on the run and still be able to score. That four spot is where we, we, we got to see if, if, if it can be as productive uh, right now, it's Keshad Johnson, who is a transfer from San Diego state. It's kind of funny. Two of the three transfers Arizona got have played in the national championship game in one of the last two NCAA tournaments, whereas Arizona goes and, gets knocked out in the sweet 16 and then you know lays a, a huge egg against princeton so they they picked up these guys with ncaa tournament experience which is big for a team that doesn't really have a lot of that but uh kishad is going to be one of those like offensive rebound clean up the glass uh dunk the ball um be uh an enforcer on the defensive end and and score when he can the they had more depth in the front court they actually have three seven footers 
on the roster, excuse me, four seven footers on the roster, but one of them, Dylan Anderson, is red shirting, and that was his choice. Another one, Henry Visar, just had an elbow injury right before the season started, and we don't know when he's going to be coming back. So the the main backup is a, a seven foot two Lithuanian named Motieus Krivis, who is basically a bigger Azulis Tubelis. Uh, they're they're actually from I think the same hometown in Lithuania. But he's a guy that um, they think sometimes he's going to be the leading scorer in a game, depending on how much he plays, because he shows so much ease at being able to score at the rim. Arizona with a Lithuanian seven foot pipeline. No, I I don't like it. I I think you guys should get rid of it. Um, But I it's funny. I, I, I think about Arizona, you know, previous years and you guys. You really play physical, especially, you know, again, you talk about you talked earlier about kind of the the West Coast bias, but it's more about a lot of people in the East Coast don't get the opportunity to, you know, stay up late and watch a lot of Pac-12 games. But Arizona mm-hmm. plays very physical in years past, and they were a team that were, you know, they were very on the on the ball, like very, you know, on the nose type of uh, defenders. Is that the same style this year that that is being employed for Arizona, or is it more of a, a case where they're kind of adapting to the times and not playing as physical on the ball. It's not going to be the physical from the sense of trying to, to, to muscle their way uh, through people, but it's just using their hands and keeping the ball in front of them and making it so that people don't get the open shot and really just have to, to force things up and, and uh, just not lose somebody in that rotation. Um, the, the defensive numbers last year were among the lowest in recent memory. Uh, Sean, previous coach Sean Miller, that was kind of more his bread and butter, he, um, that he he really wanted that strong defensive side, and then the offense would come through transition and whatnot. Um, I think Tommy Tommy loves to play fast, but he, he, he doesn't want it to be where they're winning 112 to 110 because they're giving up a score every time down the court. Uh, they want to be able to, to play fast but also make teams – uh, work on defense or force something up early, and then they can use their size to be able to get the rebound and go out and transition. Uh, let, let me let me go to the offensive style of play. You talked a little bit about transition, but I wanted to ask about, you know, is this a team that is, uh, are they putting up a lot of three-pointers? Look, I, I saw the game against Morgan State where they had 27 three-point attempts, um, but just give me a little sense of their offensive style of play. I I don't know that 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 game may be a little bit of an outlier. Anytime you're scoring 120, you know, plus points, it's it's not necessarily indicative of what's going to happen in a game against another real power five opponent. Sure. And and Tommy has said in the past that he he actually much prefers two shot point shots to three point shots. But if they're open, you need to take it uh, from the outside. But he just loves the 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 ability to get the ball close and get it inside and the high percentage shots. Um, Arizona, I think, only had in his first two years, maybe one or two games where they've taken more threes than twos. Um, and those usually are not great offensive performances. Um, since he loves big men and being able to get that ball inside, he wants to go that way. This team isn't as built uh, outside, uh, inside out as, as the first two. It's much more inside or outside in. But I think he wants the driving rather than the just pull up and take the jump shots. Um, they play fast but they play fast in a way where they're they're still passing the ball around. They're they're going to be top 10 in the country in assists like they have the last two years. I think they led the country in assists his first season, and they'll assist on 70 to 80% of their baskets, and, and most of the ones that they don't are like putbacks 
or someone being able to break out and transition. And so if the three-point shot is there, it's there, but it's not going to be the primary shot. Before we get to a prediction, the one thing that I want to ask you is this. If Arizona wins this ball game on Friday, mm. it'll be because they did what? Uh, basically just stuck with whatever game plan they put together and, uh, through their scouting and, and just tried to maximize whatever positives they think they can find or, or exploit and, and that they use the depth that they think they have this year. Um, they were a seven, maybe eight man rotation last season. And it, it started to show toward the end of the year. They didn't have that ability to, if someone's struggling that they can pull them and put someone else in, they can go nine or 10 deep. In this one, I'd uh, I'd hope that they're going to try that this early in the season, even though it is such a big game. And if they can get that that bench scoring and and that depth to be able to remain fresh, um, combined with just sticking to whatever whatever they feel like they can do, then I I think they can win this game. But I actually I don't think they will win this game. Um, and it it's kind of going to be hilarious to see Arizona fans overreact to a road loss against a top two team the first week of the season. And, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of joke around here that um, Arizona, whatever number of losses they have that during a season, that's how many season ending losses they had. So it it's, it's almost going to be more funny to see how people react to a loss than a win. So I was actually going to ask you for a prediction on the game and, and you're saying that you're thinking Arizona is going to go down. What, what's going to be the difference on Friday? Why do you, why do you believe that? Uh, I mean, I just think that in college basketball now, when you have so many, uh, so much turnover on the roster and all that, and, and I think playing a true road game this early in the season uh, when you still really don't know what you have, um, I think it, it provides a, a huge opportunity to to uh, fail and to see where your failures are. And some of the things that Tommy Lloyd said after the first game is, you know, that uh, – if this this would be a win if we get it, but also if it's a loss and we do things bad, it's going to be a tremendous teaching moment. And uh, they've only lost one game in the non-conference under Tommy in the first two years, and that was at Tennessee right before Christmas, uh, his first year. And they fell behind huge and then managed to, to get it close down the stretch. But it was a game that really kind of set the tone for them to be able to dominate the Pac-12. So I don't think he'd be too upset about a loss either. Well, I know Jason and I certainly hope you're right on Friday night, uh, obviously. But uh, Brian Pearson from the Arizona Desert Swarm, again, thank you so much for joining us, and we appreciate you. And, and hey, we're going to be doing this again next year. So let's do it again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist 
can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. All right, we're back, and we once again want to thank Brian Peterson from Arizona Desert Swarm for joining us on the DBR podcast to, again, help break down this game that we have on Friday night from the Arizona side. Now, Jason, first of all, he he gave a lot of great information. Your thoughts on what Arizona could bring to the table on Friday night? Well, I want to start with, I'm so intrigued by a guy that that he said, oh, we're going to lose, and and he's eager to see the fan reaction to that. Uh, it's his comment about why they're going to lose. I think is something that the Duke fans, we should really listen to because this is an Arizona team that there's, you know, look, there's some guys who are back from last year, no question about it, but, but they are integrating a lot of new transfers, a couple new recruits. Um, it is not a team that is going to be fully formed five days into the regular season and playing on the road in Cameron. I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying that Caleb Love or any of these other guys are going to have jitters about that. These guys have, you know, these transfers especially have played big time games and big time situations and such, but, but just knowing each other and being able to play together the way that, uh, you know, in the, the kind of cohesion that a team would ordinarily have yeah, the, the Arizona team that Duke's going to play on Friday is probably not the Arizona team that they will be in January or February. I mean, that's true of every team, but especially of a team that is integrating a lot of new people. And I just thought it was fascinating that he made that point as a way of saying, yeah, I think we're going to lose this ballgame. Jason, in a way, this Arizona team reminds me of last year's Duke team. And the fact that you have a lot of guys that you, first of all, you have seven, you know, four, seven footers, right? They took the tree that we had last yeah. year. And yeah. they and they got their own they got their own guys who are seven feet taller taller, uh, so they have four of those guys. They have a lot of guys that are coming in. They have a couple guys that are returning, but some key people who are new to the team in in various fashions. And yeah, you know, a week into the season, it's probably hard to really break down what it is they do well because they've only had a couple of opportunities to see them. And, and same with us. I know we're or a team we have we're relying a lot on last year's you know potential from some of these players that we that we have returning coupled with the the stars that are freshmen that are coming in. So it's interesting with this with this game as we switch to kind of focusing Jason on what Duke brings to the table for this game because we heard a lot about what Arizona does. The one thing that he that Brian didn't point out that I think is going to be a major test for Duke and I mentioned this on our recap of Dartmouth the other day is the rebounding. We have not yet demonstrated that we are an excellent rebounding Amen. team. Jason, I know, again, it was Morgan State 
as I mentioned, they beat them 122 to 59. They had eight players in double figure scoring. They had 16 steals, their first 25 turnovers. And the stat that really boggles my mind is they had 22 offensive rebounds and they had 49 overall. Morgan State, by the way, only had 18 defensive rebounds. So their offensive rebounding rate was 55%. That is something where, again, that was I something that we did last year. We had some games where we're like, oh, we're basically snapping 50-52% of all rebounds on the floor. And this year so far in the in the uh in the blue white game, the UNC Pembroke game, and even Dartmouth, we haven't seen at least right initially a, a demonstrative uh thing that says, hey, this team is going to be a great rebounding team. So I think that that is going to be a key point of emphasis in this game making sure that if Arizona takes a shot and they miss it, that's the only opportunity they get because in these battles against, you know, top 10 teams, top 12 teams, you want it where the other team is only getting one chance to score on you. And if they don't get it, you get the ball and you're going the other way. It provides more opportunities for you to score. And those rebounds are going to mean the difference between, you know, a two point game and maybe a 10 point game. Well, yeah. And and it's worth noting Morgan state is like one of the, 10 or 20 worst teams in all of division one, at least, you know, that's, that's where the preseason rankings are still Arizona beat them by 70. I mean, like it's, hey, they did their job, outrageous right? they score, beat, but I mean, the, they your beat stats the team, are good. They sorry? beat the team that they were supposed to be and they did it in the fashion they were supposed to do it. In. Yes. Yes. But the stats are just going to be incredibly skewed in a game like that. Uh, but you're, you are absolutely correct. I mean, their, their rebounding numbers do jump off the page. I'm, I'm very concerned about yeah about what duke does with with the big men with with balo balu balo however it is pronounced who's the starting center who like i said seven footer 260 pounds and then his backup who's seven two 260 pounds crevis the kid from lithuania it, it is going to be a load for duke taking care of those guys and and i'm going to tell you something ryan young love ryan young and ryan young knows how to battle but those guys especially balu balo are way more athletic than Ryan Young is. And I worry a little bit about Ryan being able to, uh, you know, he's going to be physical with them, but he's going to be able to stay with them with their athleticism and their length. And and uh, to me, that's a huge, huge concern for Duke. The other thing I'm looking forward to in this game, look, we, we heard it from our guest. Arizona wants to play deep and Arizona plays fast. Last year, Arizona was 13th in the nation in tempo. This is a team that pushed the ball up the floor. And the reason they were 13th in tempo, by the way, was because of their uh, on offense. It wasn't because of their defensive tempo. It was their offensive tempo. They pushed the ball up the floor really fast, and they were playing fast. We've already heard they're going to be playing, you know, three, four guards almost at all times surrounding that, that one giant center in the middle, whoever it may be. So sort of like Duke, this is a team that's going to play deep. This is a team that's going to play fast. They're going to be playing a lot of guards. And I think it's going to be a really, really interesting matchup. I will not be surprised. You know, last time you go, oh, first team to 70 wins. Sometimes first team to 80. This game may be first team to 90. This this is a game that could easily be both teams above 90 points. And it all depends on, you know, again, how hot people may get behind the arc. We have a lot of guys who can shoot the three. And getting great shots, making great decisions with the basketball is going to be key. As Sam said when he was last on the show, uh, you know, uh, back on Sunday, yo, Cameron needs to be lit L I T exclamation point. 
need to be lit Amen. because yes. that is going to also be a very big intangible that we have. And again, if we want these home and home games, then we need to show that we want these home and home home and home series. And we need to make sure we take care of business against Arizona. I think the last thing, Jason, that I will focus on is the fact that the rotation that we've seen so far, maybe the Dartmouth game was kind of playing itself into what we could see against Arizona. You mentioned a lot of the big guys who are fit, you know, who are really, really big. And you mentioned that Ryan Young may not have the athleticism to, to keep up with them. Maybe that's why there was a little bit more of Christian Reeves in that Dartmouth game to give him some confidence because he is a little bit more athletic. And he, again, you know, he's very active with his arms. He, you know, puts his hands in passing lanes and he tries to block shots. And I wonder if that is a signal that, hey, maybe Christian Reeves might get might get his number called a little bit earlier in this game as well. I also wonder with the starting lineup, the biggest question, obviously, is is Mark Mitchell going to be ready to go? And I know he was 50 50 for the Dartmouth game. If Huge. that Dartmouth game on Monday was Arizona, would he have played? I, I venture to say he probably he probably would have at least given it a go. And I maybe think that we'll see him on Friday, barring any setbacks uh, in his recovery. But I do think if Mark Mitchell's in this game, that is a big asset for Duke because our defensive pressure increases by that much. And also, again, it takes the pressure off of the big men. Because when it comes to that, some of these with Mark Mitchell in the game, a lot of these passes that are going to be free flowing into the paint will have a little bit more difficulty. Yeah, look, and he's the guy who would take on Keshad Johnson, who is a big time mm-hmm. um, transfer for them, and and, and uh, sort of you know a, a not dissimilar player to Mark Mitchell. They, they're both you know sort of the Swiss Army knife kind of guys, do a little bit of everything for you, and and are very very good on the defensive end of the floor. I'm really looking forward to this matchup. The last thing I'll say about it is. I, I'm I'm very interested in seeing you sort of alluded to this the 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 rotations for Duke who gets time look it it was really easy even when the Dartmouth game was a, you know kind of close for the first you know seven to ten minutes or so it's easy if you're John Shire to be working guys in and and not be thinking all that much about you know oh you know is this guy right for this situation. I'm going to be very interested in seeing, you know, is Duke nearly as deep as they were in that game? You mentioned Christian Reeves. You know, how much time is, uh, you know, and when is Christian Reeves coming in, if at all? Uh, you know, is Duke going to Sean Stewart at all? Does TJ Power get any minutes? How much time does Jalen Blakes get? Um, you know, I, I I wonder if we will see John Shire shrink things up a bit in what is a very, very big game. And it's entirely possible that we see a Duke team that really is only playing seven guys for the most part. I wouldn't be entirely shocked at that if Caleb Foster and Ryan Young are really the, you know, assuming Mark Mitchell plays and starts, are really the only guys coming off the bat. I, I, you know, I'm 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 very interested in seeing how that plays out. None of us know. Heck, John Shire may not even know <laughs> exactly how those rotations are going to play out against a big time opponent. One last one last quick thing. Hey, Caleb Love, can you not have a Caleb Love game, please? Like. Don't do don't do that stuff that you normally do against Duke and Cameron. But just just stop it before you get here. Leave that in Tucson. When you come here, come correct. Play like you did in in Chapel Hill, where you were going like one for for nineteen from the field. Do that on Friday night. Then well, I'd be look, a very happy bit. Uh, hold on, look, remember uh, Caleb Love hasn't always been great against Duke. Last year when he played us, he he was you know at at in Durham he was he was not very good at all. Um, he wasn't terrible, but I mean, he, he only had 12 points in that game. He didn't shoot particularly well. Uh, I, I don't know that, you know, I, I don't feel like Caleb Love is, he did always great against Duke. He's had his games most assuredly, but 
It feels um, like it. It always feels like he's the guy does. that like, and, and, and I think the X factor is that of course he's the one guy on this roster for Arizona that knows what it's like to play in camera. And he's done it what four times. So he yeah. knows, he knows what it's like to be in camera and play in front of the crazy. So he's the one that's probably telling them how to embrace that pressure. And last thing I'm really interested in knowing and hearing about how the Arizona players react to it. Look, they are used to playing in one of the best arenas in the country, the McHale center, Arizona has a great crowd. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, top of my head. I don't think there's a better crowd uh, in the pack, whatever pack 12 pack 10 pack two. <laughs> I don't, I don't think there's a better crowd in that conference than the McHale center in Arizona. And uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that these guys have played any place that's anything like Cameron. I, you, you know, how many, how many arenas are like Cameron, but I'm going to be very interested in hearing from them about uh you know what it's like to play on the receiving end of what they sometimes get a little taste of when they are playing at home uh in the McHale Center. And then the last thing I'll mention about them is this Arizona team has a really impressive schedule this year. We we got a little taste of it when we were doing the preview there and we were talking a little bit about it. They 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 they're gonna be play Wisconsin later on. They play Purdue, they play Alabama. It's gonna be very interesting, I think, from a Duke standpoint. Oh, and they play Michigan State as well. Uh, to to sort of track once we see the result of this game, it's gonna be interesting for us to track Arizona as they play other top tier teams, and we can sort of begin to measure ourselves. You know that transitive property kind of thing. Measure this Duke team against some of the other teams that Arizona plays. So this is a this is a super important game. The best way to measure a team against another team is to see them play on the court, which we will get to do when Duke hosts Arizona on Friday night again, seven yes, p.m. Will. Eastern time on ESPN. The Deuce, uh, I think, is ESPN2. Uh, it is. So, yeah. Yeah. Ch- again, check your local listings for that. Make sure you tune in. Those of you who are in in Cameron, give them hell for myself and for Jason Evans and for everybody else who can't make it. But this is episode 555 of the DBR Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And now it is time for the Duke Band to play us out and take us home.